Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. And Tori. Hello, Internet. No Dave. Yeah, no Dave this week. Uh, it's Easter, and he's busy with stuff, and we just couldn't make the schedules work. And now we've completely dated our episodes. They'll be like, they're going to listen to this in like at Christmas. Be like, what the heck, Easter? Uh, more like end of July, beginning of August-ish should be when this goes out. Who can see? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I mean, if I keep if I keep up with releasing an episode every week, and I've been really good about that lately. Sure, you have been. Uh, so we start everything or every week. We start with good thing. And Craig, why don't you start us off? So mine's going to be short and sweet. This is actually a repeat, not from me, but from you, Mike. Oh uh, no! I've been reading the Broken Earth series. Oh, how good are those? N.K. Jemison. Now, I actually started right before you mentioned as your good thing, which I thought was funny. uh, But I haven't had a chance to really, really read it until a little bit later. And I've been like super absorbed into it. It's really good. Honestly, uh, I was exposed to it from the Cosmere subreddit. It's it's frequently brought up as like, who else should I read aside from Sanderson? And this series is frequently brought up. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. I will say the first chapter of the first book, the fifth season, is weird. And oh, yeah. doesn't make any sense for the most part. Just, you just you are in no it. way meant to understand what's going on at that point. Exactly. Just get through it. It gets better. And then maybe when you're done the book, take a peek at the first chapter again, because it makes a lot more sense. Uh, and I'm sure it'll make even more sense once I've finished the series. I'm halfway through the second book. So it's it's really good, highly recommended. Good characters, good story. Uh, I mean it. It's it's like I said, frequently up there in in lists with Sanderson. And you know how much I like Sanderson because hey, I'm doing a podcast. So there you go. Yeah. Um. I mean, I brought this up before, as as Craig said, but yes, super duper good book. Absolutely worth a read. I still haven't gotten to the second or third books because there's like a six month wait on them. But oh, I man. will. I'm I'm really getting into the second book now. Like, there's some stuff. There's some stuff. All right. Uh, so my good thing this week is a another Polygon show. I brought up one before, which was Monster Factory. Uh, this one is called Unraveled, and it stars Brian David Gilbert, who has become one of my favorite internet people since I since I started watching this. He's just an incredibly fun person generally um the if you if you've heard of this at all you may have seen the him perform the perfect pokey rap at live at pax east which is the most recent episode of this show um he spends about 35 minutes first giving a lecture on why the original pokey rap is bad <laughs> In what, like, by what criteria he considers um, ways to improve it, 
and then he actually performs the thing at the end, and it's so very good. Um, so the the whole concept of Unraveled is that he goes into excruciating detail and like does massive amounts of research to talk about dumb crap in video games. Uh, like one of my favorite episodes is that he read and categorized every book in Skyrim. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. It's extremely good. And then like he tells you about like the best, I don't know, five or seven or something. Because most of them are garbage. Um, to figure out uh, how much Smash Brothers should be charged in OSHA violations, he read 650 pages of an OSHA manual. <laughs> what? Smash Brothers, though. Yeah. So that's that's about where we're at. Like, I can't recommend his stuff highly enough. He's he's extremely good. Like, it sounds uh, like game theory only better. Because um, it's actual, like, interesting... I've, I've seen a couple of his videos that my friend Ryan sent to me. Shout out to Ryan, if he's listening. Yeah, Ryan um, Ryan and I have been passing these back and forth for about the past week. Yeah, he, he hooked me up with the... Uh, there's a video where the guy tries to explain the Kingdom Hearts timeline. Oh yeah. And <laughs> it's very complicated. He's got a chart on the wall with like strings tied to index cards and it's it's very um complicated it's hilarious the way he does it and then the other one that i've seen is where he tries to tie all of the zelda timelines together that, that one so is hardcore also fans. very good there are three different timelines for the zelda games except that Breath of the Wild is supposed to belong to all of them. So he's got this whole video explaining how this works. And you know, um, that yeah. bugged me when I played Breath of the Wild, because I'm like, there's references to all these games, and yet they have released the Zelda timeline, like, in an official thing. Um, and, I mean, it's neat stuff, because you play around with time travel, and they're all supposed to be in the same world, but yet not. Yeah, I have to. Well, this this video is for you then because the the guy explains it and it seems very very logical and put together. Um, a, an additional bonus thing is that as you watch these, you can like watch the evolution of his hair as he goes longer and longer without getting it cut, and the longer it gets, the more glorious it is, as evidenced <laughs> in the perfect pokey wrap. Long and glorious. All right. Uh, I think that's all that I have to say about mine. Tori, what's yours this week? My good thing this week is escape rooms. Oh, no! Yeah, not not anyone in particular. I've done several, um, and they've all been good. And not to brag or anything, you guys, but I have escaped every time. Uh, And I just did one yesterday with some friends, and... It was so fantastic. If you haven't tried one of these, they have them in cities all over the place. So look and see if your city has one and then go try it. Get a group of of like five or six people together and go try it. You you regret it. They are so fun. I I will put an asterisk next next to your suggestion. Make sure you check reviews. Uh, If you're in a big enough city, there are some places that aren't as good as others. But for the most part, they're they're relatively decent, and I also have an undefeated record in the many that I've done. Um, you know what's funny 
is my friend. So I, I contacted my friend a, a couple days ago. I'm like, hey, you want to go s- to this dinner theater uh, with me and my wife? And you know the first thing he responds with? He starts sending me links to escape rooms that are nearby. He is addicted. He's been going like at least once a month, if not like every week to a different escape room. It's crazy. Yeah, I am not that addicted, but I do one occasionally and I do enjoy them. Yeah, they're fun. I would like to try one of these one day, but I don't want to go with a bunch of randos who are going to make everything bad. And I also can't ever get people in real life to do things with me. Oh, we should have done one when I visited. We had a lot to do when you visited. We did. We did. Next time. Yes, next time. All right. Uh, We don't have a Dave. So, Tori, could you do us the honor of reading Dave's bullet points? Exactly like Dave. (laughs) I I will try to get the, the proper tone and inflection. Dave sent me his bullet points. Here we go. <laughs> Chapter four. Red sun. And that part's in italics because it's referring to the italicized text. Sazed, chief ambassador of the new empire, is searching for religion. Emperor Ellen's imperial acquisition enterprise. Wow. Sazed, yes, it is. Sazed and Breeze in Uncle Lee Cal City. Terrace refugees. Is Sazed the last keeper? Why does Sazed trust copper mines? Firmed alive, Pogchamp. Sazed. <laughs> Uncle Lee Cal signs the treaty. Okay, so in chapter four, uh, the italicized text talks about how uh, Rashik had the power and moved the planet uh, closer to the sun, and then it was too hot, and so he had to, you know, with the ash mounts to cool it down again because he didn't know how to use that power he had. So here's here's my notes on chapter four. Sazed, Grand Poobah of something or other, studies his religions. He's still having a massive sulk over Tendwell's death a year ago, and is. Ca- contracted a major case of atheism over it. He's basically the guy from the Prove Me Wrong meme. He and Breeze are over in Lee Cal City, conquering them by inundating their bureaucrats with papers. Breeze tries to cheer says it up, and you know you're a Debbie Downer when even Breeze tries to cheer you up, but it doesn't work. Lee Cal City admits defeat. And just to, uh, talk a little more about the bullet points. Um, Sazed, as he's studying these religions, uh, he has pulled the information out of his copper mines and written it onto paper so that he's got a convenient uh, book to study from. Um, so yeah, why does he still trust his copper mines? I don't know. That's a very good question, Dave. And he there's probably talk about shouldn't. The, right. There's talk about the terrorist refugees uh the Inquisitors, you know, at the end of the last book, uh, went in and uh, wrecked their house. So um, all of the terrorist people have moved to Luthadel, and they have not found any other keepers. So Sazed is wondering if he's the last one. So that's... Uh, oh, and it's Uncle Lee Cal City, because the Lee Cal family that's running this city uh, 
that's the uncle of Jastes Lecal, the uh, the guy who led the Coloss against Luthadel in the last book. Yep. Not anymore, he's not. Right. <laughs> uh, questions or comments on chapter four? Nope. No, Moving I'm good. on to chapter five. Inquisitors didn't know about Duralumin. Inquisitortis totes had steel mind. And yes, it's Inquisitortis. <laughs> Inquisitortis. Yeah, that I'm works glad, for me. I'm glad he still wrote these, even though he's not in this episode. Yes. And then spikes. And and that is there's got a whole lot of vowels in there and like and Terabang's spikes. Oh, I don't know if you've been keeping up with it, but he's he's been writing a bunch of stuff in Dave theories. We we might want to bring that up uh after the summary. Yeah. I yes. honestly I would prefer to have him here because I feel like it's gonna turn into a discussion. Anyway. Valeland and Coloss return to Vititan. Valeland finds foodstuffs. Emperorism talk. Vin finds instructions on making Malatium. Soothers can team up to control Coloss. Fadric City is the next target. Will Fadric City have the ATM cache? Only your thoughts are safe. Ruin cannot alter words carved in steel. But can he read them? Okay, so chapter five uh, takes place outside of the Titan uh, after the battle from last week's episode. And uh, Ellen and Vin autopsy the dead Inquisitor trying to ascertain cause of death. No, hang on. <laughs> they already know that. Um, they're studying the spikes, which are weird and creepy. There's even work. We don't know. Weird and creepy? Uh, I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, Ellen very romantically gives Vin her very own coloss. Aww. <laughs> then they go off to search for search the town's ministry building. They find a cache of supplies and instructions written in steel for making Malatium. However, they've already figured that out. There's no ATM there. There that leads to Fadric City, where Set is from. They think the ATM might be there, but unfortunately, Fadrix is held by a hostile army. That's my notes on Chapter 5. And as we said, there's a whole lot of stuff about spikes in Inquisitors and the different types of metals and what they could mean. And uh, it was an Inquisitortis, you might recall, because it was wearing a shield to defend its, uh, its oh, on its back. Right. Yeah, Inquisitortis. It, it had a shell. Trying to think of a good way to jam Clint Eastwood in there, or even Marty McFly, but I can't do it. Mm, no. Nope. Uh, nope. Mm -mm. There's a joke okay. there, if I can nail it. You can't. You're not good enough. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Questions or comments on Chapter 5? Nope. Nope. Please continue. Kay. We're going to have a really chapter, short non-spoiler section today. Yeah, basically. Yeah, chapter six. Chapter six. Okay, here's the bullet points. Marsh. Sounds good. That, that's End the bullet of points. bullet points. Basically. No more bullet points. Here's my summary. Marsh tries to break free of the force controlling him. He fails. He loves Big Brother. Oops. That's that's it. That's my summary. Nice. Yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, do we have anything non-spoilery we can talk about here? I find it easier to 
keep to to like keep away from sensitive stuff when Dave is actually here. Right, because we have him to bounce off of. So, I mean, the, the short summary is that we, we did get the catch up with Sezed, and we did get a little geek at Marsh. This is the first time in this book that we got that. So, so we get, get a little bit of like what else is going on along with what, you know, Ellen and Vin are up to. Now, is it the first time, is it the first time that we know for a fact that this thing is controlling Marsh, like he's still in there no. and can't do anything about it. Did they? There's a prologue. Before? There's a prologue with Marsh's perspective, and that's where they they're dealing with the terrorismen with the with the uh, make your own Inquisitor kit. Right. Yes. Oh, I guess I do have one thing. Um, so Vin's pet Coloss is, I believe, like, intentionally being set up to be the new Tensoon. Yeah. So, we'll see how Dave enjoys that. Yeah, sure. I can't really talk about it more than that, but, yeah. Okay. So, that might actually be it for the summary, because we have no questions, unless we want to ask Tori, and she can pretend she has never read this before. So, Tori, who do you want to see most dead? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, um... Is it Zane again? Zane, yes. bring him yeah, back. It's always Zane. If, if I'm going to pretend to be Dave, then Zane is the only answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and kick not Dave off. Nobody actually gets kicked off, but we're going into spoiler town. That's right. So if you're listening and you don't want spoilers, talk to you next week. Okay, bye. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. So, what do we have? Alright, I do have some things. Um, I'll try to avoid, like you said, we won't talk too much about spikes, but... I will say Dave has been thinking heavily about Spike, so we'll have to see where he goes with it uh, when we get to talk to him next. Um, but his bullet points, there was something he mentioned in Chapter 4. Oh, about the copper mines. Like, why doesn't, why does Sazed still trust the copper mines? Um, I will say that I don't think Ruin cared too much about religions. I mean, he cares enough about the prophecy, so of course he sort of put that into place. But I don't think he really cared about random religions. I think we discussed this before. This is how preservation was able to hide so much information about how the world should be, is by essentially hiding it in all these different religions. I mean, there's no, like... So, so mm, previous to being released, Ruin had very little that he could actually do. Yeah. Um, adjusting a small amount of text was one of those things. Yes. Um, there's just no, there's nothing in any of these religions that that small of a change will matter. Right. He just doesn't care. Like there's nothing that will help him uh, before this point escape. And now that he has escaped, who even cares? He's ruining the world. It's, it's happening. There's nothing he needs to do aside from ruining the world. Like he doesn't have to, change text anymore yeah that that actually is a good point like in ruins perspective he already won like as soon as he got out of the well of ascension he won 
I mean, he, he knows he, he didn't 100% want. He's, he's, he's looking for his body, which is the ATM, uh, which is the whole big thing throughout this book. Where is the ATM? We got to find the ATM. And it, it definitely is a little weird that Vin is focused so much on it, especially when we have Electrum now that goes against ATM. Like, who cares about ATM at this point? You are able to, con- from their perspective, they're able to control the Coloss, at least until they, they're snapped back by Rowan. They, it looks like they're able to like get things done, but there's still that weird focus on ATM, and that's because Ruin is prodding Vin, especially, to find it. And he needs it because it's his body. So he didn't want 100% one, but he basically has it in the bag at this point. Preservation is like a husk of, of his former self. Um, he, he can, he's sort of slightly more powerful, but not quite. And once he gets his body, he will be more powerful than preservation. So he wants the body so he can full fulfill the destruction of the world and everything is nice and ruined. So, but even all of that there. is just, that's just paperwork. Like, He'll yeah, get sure. that will happen eventually, regardless. The sooner the better by his by his reckoning, but you know, whatever. It's he won. Getting out yeah. means he won. Yeah. So 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 there's part of that, like so that the copper mines and why you still trust them. Um it's also that this is this was Sazage training. Like you don't just discard the knowledge because there's a lot of knowledge, a lot. It's it's Wikipedia in a bracelet. Like, sure, there was one bad entry that you put in. That technically, he put it in there in some point. He read it, and then it got morphed while it was in his copy. Yeah, he he but, put in he put in the original entry, and then it got edited without him noticing. Yes, but there's still so much information in there. It's his citation needed. It's his life. Also, we do notice that after he pulls out the religions, he doesn't use the copper mines anymore. Like, it's it's a big deal that he eventually will use his uh his I think I think his copper mines, if not any of his No, metal it's mines. it's the copper mines. Um Yeah, because of, because of Tinwell. So um it's a big thing throughout the book, and eventually, of course, there 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 is a point where he has to use it because Spook basically is like, "Look, you need to do this. Like, get over yourself and get it done." No, 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 no. Spook is way too wrapped up in his own stuff to even notice that Sazed is like moping around. He's just so like, "This was after Spook pulls out the spike. He's like, this has to happen." I thought he set that up beforehand. I think he did because they had to do something. Oh, shoot. See, well, he, they I had to rig it so that it. they could release the water back into the canals. Right. And then it doesn't work and there's a big thing. We'll, we'll get but, to it. We'll but yeah, Spook it. is way too focused on being Batman to notice that anything is weird is going <laughs> on with Sazed at that point. So he's yes. just like, hey, do you can you figure out how to do this? All right, cool. Do it. Batman away. Yeah, that's true. He does basically do that. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a big deal that he doesn't use his copper mines after he pulls out the religions. And of course, Dave will see that and he'll be able to think what he does about it. But honestly, the, the short answer is that he, Ruin has no reason to really change these religions anyway. So he ain't gonna. But they don't, the characters don't know that. We know that. Um, well, it goes back to what you were saying, just that it's his training. Like, even... There are plenty of real real world examples of human beings having ways of doing things 
that they continue to do even after they learn that there's a better way. Yeah, that's true. Like various advances in, oh, you know, diet and fitness and first eggs are bad for you and then they're good for you and then they're bad for you again and then they're good for you. And like nobody can keep up with all of that. (laughs) Sure. Uh, um, so I want to talk about human for a minute. Okay, yeah, we we did. You did bring that up. Yes. He was supposed to be set up as you hinted, like the next Tensoon, but he really isn't. Right. So just like Tensoon was a replacement for Sazed, for like Sazed's role in the first book. Okay. Um, human is is he even named yet? No. No. Okay. Not named yet. Human is uh, Vin's solitary coloss. It's it's her pet coloss. Um, so not as cute as the puppy. Oh God, and no! He actively hates Vin and admits to that. Yeah, but he he doesn't do anything about it. No, he can't. Um, but yeah, Human is like as he's introduced in in much the same way that Orsur, uh, as Tensoon was introduced in book two as like oh yeah this is this is going to be vin's advice giver sounding board like this is the new sazed in the same way this is set up to be the new ten soon except that he will have nothing like that kind of role all he'll do is is give maddeningly vague hints about how coloss work which is great um and then (laughs) especially when they get less vague later yeah and then uh I think he just is, like, confusion in the back of Vin's mind when she isn't paying attention and all the Coloss are dying. I think, like, those are his big roles in this book, which is just just really good. Because you're, again, you're expecting another Tensoon at this point. Who And I think that, that was the intention. He's playing with us. Sanderson, right. the author, is messing with us. Like, you expect that sort of setup, so let's play with that. And what's really fun here is that he takes this sort of thing... And cranks it up to 11 and applies it to every single character in Warbreaker. Because that is sort of the whole deal with Warbreaker, is subverted expectations. I mean, the only one that you don't really trust because he doesn't do that is Vasher, and he's the one who you should trust. Well, sort of. He does his own thing. But, like, Denth, yeah, totally. Denth, Tongfa. I hate those guys. Uh, so what else do we have going on? Oh, well, so, okay, so yeah, so, mentioned human, um, so, this is where Vin is given a control of a very small subset of Coloss, I, I think it's more than just human, isn't it? It's supposed to be like a thousand Coloss or something that was moved over to her. Right, and then she, like, just adopts human as a pet at that point. Sure, but it's sort of important because they're used later on against Ruin, because Ruin seems to take over all of the army, but he actually doesn't take over Vin's Coloss, and then she's able to use them to basically just be able to escape, because I think that's when they attack uh, Fadro... How are we saying this word? Fadrix? Fadrix is how the... Like, it should probably be, like, a much vaguer Frenchier sound, but Fadrix is how the audiobooks do. It's an E-X. It's not an E-A-U-X. Fadrix City. Um, that's how they escape when, when the Coloss are ripped from them from ruin. So, you know, they they have a part to play. And of course, we already mentioned they actually show how Inquisitors are made from humans. And then we actually see they are human and spikes. Yep. 
Which I, I want to say the reveal for that comes around the same time as finding out that the Chondra are spiked. Like, I want to say um, those go hand in hand in in the maybe. book structure. I, I Don't we... Do we find out about that sooner, though? Because Tensoon talks about blessings in his chapter. But he doesn't mention that they are spikes. True. I guess we'll have to wait and see, because I cannot recall right now. Okay. So, yeah, so so we have that. There's not much to say about Marsh, just that he's trying to resist Ruin and failing, because Ruin is... is he has a lot of spikes. Marsh has the most spikes out of all the Inquisitors. Oh, that is something. I do believe Sazed at this point is the last uh, keeper that's that's actually like active. I agree. Um, there, there of course are probably people who have Verukami um, in their bloodline, but they are not keepers. They'll have to pass on because there's no way Sazed is passing any of this on in his bloodline. Um, it's probably why we have like people in Era 2 that only have one Furukami power, because it's so diluted by that point. Um, all of the Keepers were used for the Inquisitor Spikes, so we only have very weakened powers, and that's why we have just Twin Mod. See, I don't know. Um, if only because, like, single metal Alamancers show up already before Seizid takes over. Yeah. Um... The only, only thing, the only change between Era 1 and Era 2 on that front is that there are no more Mistborn. Okay. Um, previous to Seiza taking over, though, like, all Ferrucamists were full Ferrucamists. There were no single metal Ferrucamists. Yeah. That, so that I'm, always... like, I, there's no evidence for or against beyond what I'm saying here, but I think Seiza must have, like, actively changed something. Either he changed something, or it just happens to be when it's mixed with the Alamancy bloodline. Because we don't have anyone who is both an Alamancer and a Well, then that would mean that, that at mean, some point you would we still get, Lord like... Ruler. Well, well, no, well, he sure, wasn't born an Alamancer, though, is right. sort of what Craig's saying. Yeah, so we haven't had anyone, as far as we can see, anyway. Of course, there's an actress next to that, maybe there is someone. So it could be just the way the powers work with each other. It could be, as you say, it's just Harmony who made a slight change for whatever reason that he deemed fit. I feel so. like we would still see, like, full Ferrucamus at that point, though. Like, maybe just from the Southern Scadrians. I mean, it has only been 300 years since uh, Arato and Era 1. I mean, we do... There is evidence that the Southern Scadrians have... At least more than one ferrochemical power, right? Is yeah, but they they're messing with identity and connection, though. Well, no, it's they're they're cheating with with Magitek. Yes, basically. Like they have one guy who can like store identity to to create an identity free metal mind, which it's like the the metal that does that, and then it's like wrapped together with a different metal, so then you have an identi identity free metal mind. That someone else can put a different thing in, depending on what that other metal. It's complicated, you know, and I don't fully understand it. Yeah, so you're bringing that up, and that is probably a hint as to why there's only Furukamis that can use one single metal in Error Two. Like, it, it maybe maybe there's a change by Harmony that he he tweaked the way identity works in some way. Can he do that? 
that's based on investor. That's like a basic component of investor. I don't think he has the power to, but he can change how people are and use it. I don't know. I I need to read Era Two and think about this. This is weird. Like you said, there's all this stuff that happens with the way identity works uh, that Southern Scadrians can do, and it's just well, it's it's not specifically identity as, as it is like advances in Farukami, yes. which don't show up until nearly the end of the of the third book. We don't have a fourth book to further explore the ramifications of that. Yeah. So just like yet. you know. Sorry, go ahead, Tori. I said we don't have one yet. Correct. Um, so yeah, like just like compounding got introduced at the end of the first book, and we didn't really get a proper explanation of that until way later, I feel like we're going to have sort of the same thing with this. Like there will be something later that will give a way better explanation to what's going on, and it'll be easier to understand. Yeah. And I won't feel as dumb. Okay, well... We'll, we'll definitely. I'm gonna when I reread. I'm sure I'll bring it up and we can talk about it then as well. When I reread Error Two, and we will be getting the next book in the next like year or something like that. Speaking of which, book four of Stormlight Archives seems to be going well, guys. Indeed, it does. Uh, as well as a minor rewrite on uh, Skyward Book Two, which is due out. I want to say December now. Yeah, that's what at least he said. And I'm excited for that because I really like Skyward. It was one of my good things, I think. And then after that should either be Stormlight 4 or um, potentially Mistborn Era 2 Part 4. Yeah, my only disappointment is that Mistborn uh, Era 2 Book 4 has been put off so long. And I think it's because Books 2 and 3 came out like basically back to back. Well, he he didn't actually mean to write them both. Right, exactly. So I'm like, I'm hit, I'm waiting. I'm like, man, I really want a book four, but you know, I would love a book four Stormlight Archives. I ain't complaining about that. It's, that's also good stuff for us. There's so much meat in Stormlight Archives. So the best part about all of this for me is that it means that we are ever closer to the day that Rhythmatis Two is back on the table. Sure, Rhythmatis Two. Did you read the first one yet? No. What are you doing with your life? Reading N.K. Jemison, or however you say her name. I think you got it. And, alright, I can't really fault that, but you should also <laughs> read The Rhythmatist. I mean, I did read, you know, so I've read Skyward. I've read most of Sanderson's other works that are non-Cosmere. I did the, um, Steelheart stuff. Uh, The Reckoners. Oh, I loaned... That's okay. I recently loaned Steelheart out to a friend, so we'll see if I ever... A, get it back, and B, get to find out what she thought about it. I did the uh, Legion stuff. I also did that. Those were fun. Never made a series because of the term Legion, I think. Well, because there's an X Men TV show called Legion that is reasonably close, elevator pitch wise, to what this book was. And that one was okay. So I'm, I'm sort of like. Yeah, I, I like reading it, but I'm not, like, 100% sold on non-Cosmere stuff. Okay, well, The Rhythmatist. Uh, and also Alcatraz vs. the Evil Librarians, if you haven't done those yet. Yeah, eventually. How about you, Tori? What you reading lately? Uh, I'm not really reading anything lately. Just uh, been reading my Cosmere stuff and rereading the Cosmere stuff 
and that's about it. I started a book that was highly recommended by a lot of children's librarians uh, about a boy and his dog. But Um, the first chapter, it was like the boy and his dog get separated. Like dad won't let the boy keep the dog. And I had, I had too many dog feelings. I was like, no, I've got to go go home and hug my puppy. (laughs) So yeah, I didn't finish that one. In Alcatraz, they explicitly, like Brandon explicitly says that, you know, authors hate dogs and mothers. (laughs) That's why they kill them off so often in, in children's literature. He actually says that in the book? Yes. Okay. Because there are evil librarians, you see. Sure. So it's it's a perfect opportunity to to, poke, to take some pokes at, you know, children's literature. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So there's the evil librarians thing. What's it, what is it? Alcatraz versus the evil librarians. And so that's like a pseudo but not quite Harry Potter type thing. Or it's one of those, like... Young adult. I mean, Dave would describe it that way, but Dave describes everything through the lens of Harry Potter. (laughs) But like, I've read books like that before. Not, not of course, Sanderson, but they are explicitly kids' books. The reading level is about I don't know what, like sixth grade ish. Sure. And then, what is the arithmetist? The arithmetist is chalk magic. Okay. Okay. But what what is this? A kid book? Young adult? Um, middle grade, young adult. How does it stack? Tori, Tori should know these term, this terminology better than I do. Yeah, uh, you're you're correct. There, I would say um, Alcatraz is appropriate for like upper elementary, but mostly they're they're middle grade books. Okay. And then arithmetist. But the same. I was referring to both of them. Okay. I would actually say that arithmetist is maybe a little bit more advanced. Yeah, it's definitely more middle grade. Like Alcatraz could be fine for upper elementary, but arithmetist is definitely middle grade territory. Where then Steelheart is like straight up young adult. Yeah, it's straight up young adult. And the the differences between these are like the age grades that they're primarily marketed toward or like written to fit that approximate reading level, maturity level. Right. I don't think there's an author out there that intentionally says, I am going to write this for this age group. Like, authors just kind of write the books that they want to write, and they come out being that grade level. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I feel like there there is at least some intent, uh, maybe not in the original, in like the first draft process, but along the right. editing process. Like, no, definitely in the editing process, because the editor is going to be the one to say, yeah, no, if we're marketing this to second graders, then this word is to advance. Like, that that's an editor thing. So, yeah, I that's, that's I, about where we are. Author, so, okay. don't ask me. Um, oh, do we know when White Sands Volume 3 is coming out? I don't. No, we do not. Cool. Um, so, I know I have all of these things listed in release order. I'm thinking about pushing White Sands until they're all out. So we can just do them together instead of doing a third of a book and then doing a giant book and then probably another giant book and then probably another book and then doing another part. I think that's fair. Yeah, it's it's very short on its own. It would basically be just a couple of episodes anyway if we just did one like book. 
So having them all together, I think it makes sense. I mean, I, I'm cool with that. I, I feel like volume one is maybe three episodes worth of material because there's like the the really great opening with the, the trial. And that is yeah. fantastic. And then the rest of it that sucks is like two episodes worth of stuff. <laughs> you see, I yeah. actually didn't mind the rest. Well, at least it started getting interesting near the very end. The middle is sort of meh. And the art style I found hard to follow. Like, and you know what? That's, that's my problem with it, too. I, I, I don't really care for do. the art style. Yeah. You know what, listeners? You can quote me on that. Everything past the trial in White Sands sucked. Dash. Mike. <laughs> he, but you've only read the first volume. Correct. Did you I have not read volume two yet. Okay. And I also haven't gotten, or I haven't requested the, uh, the text version. Yeah. Which okay. I will do at some point, but I don't know. Eventually, maybe. My understanding of it is that, like, there's a reason it wasn't published as a book. And it's a pretty good reason. And it's still pretty rough. I don't know. I've got this theory that Sanderson's idea of quote-unquote pretty rough is probably polished compared to a lot of other published works out there right now. I could be wrong. I mean, that's fair. But I got this description from, like, other people. Not Sanderson. All right. And my cat's so... getting into something. Uh, are are we basically done for this episode? Yeah, we haven't talked about the chapters in like 20 minutes, so I think we're good. I mean, we talked Sanderson, we were good, but I think we should call it here. Let let our listeners move on with their lives. All right, and Tori, enjoy Game of Thrones tonight. I will. I will enjoy it a lot. How many episodes are left of the show? Five. That's, that's wow. the second episode, yeah. Only seven Six. episodes... Six episodes for the final season. Yep. And that so is not worth the wait. Uh, that remains to be seen. No, I'm excited. It's exciting. You know, it's it's stuff like that that sort of almost upsets me. Like, I read Game of Thrones up to the fourth book, and of course he stopped writing them, so I stopped reading them. And I got into the first season. Actually, yeah, I think I only watched the first season of Game of Thrones. I, like, started getting back into him. Like, okay, I'm going to read it. He released the fifth book. It's actually, he's writing now. I'm going to read more. It's great. I'll use the show to sort of help me catch up. And then I didn't. And the same thing happened with Wheel of Time, where I only, but that was a different reason I stopped reading that. Like I said, I only got, like, eight books in. And then I stopped. Got to kind of encourage you to go back to that, too, because. It's hard. I, I know. Try. I know. The, okay, the beginning is rough. The the end of the middle is also rough, but once it gets good again, it stays good, and it's amazing, and it's absolutely worth it. It's so hard, man. I, I tried. I'm still recording. I'm going to cut all of this. That's fine. Okay, we'll, we'll say bye, and then we can talk. Right, bye, everybody. What will make angry all of our listeners from the Wheel of Time podcast. <laughs> bye, guys. Good night, Internet. I mean, I'm very pro-Wheel of Time, so... That ain't, that ain't my problem. Bye, everybody. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.